0: At the opening of Paul's epistle, his first epistle to the Thessalonians, we find that he opens it as all letters were written in that day. He, he follows the customary form with a salutation identifying the author himself, the recipients, the church of the uh, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Thessalonica, and a word of Greeting that would be rather standard, though he Christianized it. He took what was the normal Greek greeting of that day and turned it into a distinctly Christian greeting. But then he moved into a giving of thanks, also a customary feature in most epistles that would normally be a passing and just... Um, almost uh, automatic word of thanks to the pagan deities of that day without any particular feeling or meaning or or substance but Paul instead gave a word of thanks to the Lord God almighty and infused it with all kinds of christian content not a not a throw-off phrase not a customary giving of thanks not a an expected one that really didn't register because it didn't say anything of any substance. But instead, he just infused that giving of thanks with Christian content in two verses, a rather long expression of thanks, much longer than you would find in a non-Christian epistle of that day. And so Paul is off to a good start as he is addressing these Thessalonians in a church that appears, from all evidence that we have, to be a model church with almost nothing to correct, nothing to properly criticize. Of course, there will always be people who will find something to criticize, but Paul didn't find anything to criticize. Paul the apostle, Paul the church founder, Paul the spiritual overseer of this uh, fledgling work that seemed to be doing so well. Paul was just filled with thanksgiving and gratitude to God for the evidence of divine work at the lives of these believers. And so we'll continue studying this on this Monday, February 26. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for remembering that we do have financial needs in order to be able to carry on this ministry on this station. All right, here's his giving of thanks, verse 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. I pointed out on the broadcast Friday that Paul's primary focus of thanksgiving for them has to do with spiritual qualities which he saw in their lives. Of course, he was thankful that God kept them safe, as far as we know. We don't, we don't hear any mention of any that had been uh, executed for their faith in Christ or dragged into prison for the faith of Christ in Christ or anything like that. So, of course, Paul is thankful for the protection and safety that God has given them. Of course, God is thankful for the good health that most of them enjoy. Of course, God uh, Paul is thankful for the financial soundness, apparently, of this church and of their people. And the fact that God was supplying their needs. But what he's most interested in and most thankful for is that he sees evidences of God's grace, your work of faith, your labor of love, the steadfastness of hope, faith, hope, and love, these three, as we read in 1 Corinthians thirteen, 13. But the greatest of these is love. In other words, Paul sees in these three items, faith, hope, and love, three evidences of genuine faith. That's what he's pointing to, faith that produces good works, love that motivates good deeds, hope that produces endurance. When he sees these spiritual fruits at work in the lives of these people and producing what they are designed to produce, his heart is filled with thanksgiving. His work has not been in vain. These people didn't respond superficially to the gospel. They didn't make an empty profession of faith. They were not counterfeit Christians. How do we know? Because of the evidence, the clear evidence, the proof of God's grace at work in their lives. A faith that produces good works. We've got to get that straight. Two things, two errors in regard to faith and works. Some people insists that works must be mixed with faith in order to secure salvation, that nobody is saved by faith alone. They are saved by faith plus works. There are people who believe that. There are people who teach that, erroneously so. That is a horrible distortion of what the Bible teaches. We are saved by grace alone alone. Through faith alone, in Christ alone, but, as someone has so succinctly said, the faith that saves is never alone. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. In other words, genuine faith that lays hold on Christ and secures the blessings of salvation by faith, reaching up and receiving by faith that which God has offered in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his life of righteousness and his death of substitution upon the cross. And those who by faith lay hold on Christ are saved by faith alone, but if it is true saving faith, it's never alone. It always produces good works. In other words, you can't Put works ahead of faith, that would be a terrible distortion. You can't make works equal to faith as if it's faith plus works equals salvation. That's not correct either. But neither can you deny works. You've got to get the equation right. Faith equals salvation plus works. Don't Don't create error, don't commit error on either side of this issue. Salvation is not secured by works, but salvation is evidenced by works. Good works, not perfect works, but good works will always flow out of a genuine work of saving grace in a person's heart. Do you remember how Paul put it in Ephesians chapter 2? He said, For by grace are you saved through faith. There it is. Grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's not by your works. That not of yourselves. Now I've lost my train, so I have to start it over again. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is, (laughs) I've got something I could quote a a thousand times and somehow it flies away when I'm trying to incorporate it into my message here at this point, so let's just go find it. For by grace you have been saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, a gift is something that is unearned, unmerited, unpurchased, if If you do something in order to receive something, then that's not a gift. that's reward or wages for what you have done. But salvation's not that way, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. And I'm convinced that that means that even the faith that you by which you exerci- the faith you exercise to lay hold on Christ doesn't come out of you normally, doesn't come out of you. In the natural man, that also is the work of God's Spirit within you to give you the faith by which you lay hold on Christ and believe. So, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If we understand what that means, it would clear up a lot of confusion. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, a biblical understanding of salvation precludes any any place where we can take credit any place where we can boast i can't say i'm glad i had the good sense to believe my stupid neighbor doesn't seem to have that kind of good sense well you're boasting you're crediting yourself with the faith that the bible says is a gift of god you can't you can't add anything anything that you can point to and, and be proud of that. That's what I contributed to salvation. No, no, no. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For, it goes on, doesn't stop at the end of verse 9. For verse 10, we are his workmanship, okay, the the work of salvation that we profess, that we claim, that we believe that we have by faith. It's his workmanship. He worked all that in us. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It's, an, it's a creative act of God to bring us into union with Jesus Christ in saving faith. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ooh. Ooh. Well there's those works you said there weren't works not at the beginning not before salvation not at the time at the same time as the exercise of faith there's no works mixed with that but we are we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them in other words works are the product of saving faith, works are the evidence of salvation, works are the manifestation that the faith that we profess is a genuine saving faith and not a mere intellectual assent, not the faith of demons who know that God is real and probably know more about the Bible and the Gospel than most Christians and yet are going to hell because their faith is not a saving faith. But the faith that saves is always, always, always inevitably and necessarily connected to good works. If you don't have that that follows your claim of salvation, then evidently you don't have the salvation of which the Bible speaks. And so the evidence of genuine faith in the lives of the Thessalonians is what Paul is thanking God for, a faith that produces good works. A love that motivates good deeds, a hope that produces endurance. That hope we we can see on into the future. We can see on past this life. We can see on into eternity. We can understand the glory that is to come. We know it's real. We know it's promised. We know it is certain. And therefore, we can endure many difficulties and trials of life. We, they don't knock us out. They don't cause us to lose our faith. They don't cause us to quit serving Christ. We have a hope that produces endurance. That's what Paul saw in the Thessalonians. Would that be what Paul would see in you? Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.